Welcome to Zichud Dav Siman Memory of Ram Goldhari and Tadim Rosakas Yuma Dav Tazayan, the first parak, Shiva's Yami. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, Rabbuna said that the anonymous Tana who taught Mesechus Midos is Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, based on the following mission of Midos that details the Ezra's Nashim in the base of Migdash. And four chambers located in the four corners. What functions did they serve? The southeastern chamber was the Lishkas Nazirim, where the Nazirim cooked their shlamim, cut the hair, and threw it under the cauldron where the shlamim were cooking. The northeastern chamber was the Lishkas Dirha Eitzim for storing wood for the Mizbech. The Kohanim Balim Mum stood there and examined the wood for worms. The northwestern chamber was the Lishkas HaMatsurayim, where a Matsur would immerse himself in a mikveh before receiving the blood applications. Regarding the southwestern chamber, Rebbe Lezman Yaakov said, I forgot what function it served. Abba Shul said they used it to place wine and oil and called it Lishkas Beis Shamanya. Rashi explains that the Mishnah quoting Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov in the end of the Mishnah implies he was the anonymous Tana of the Mishnah. Point number two, the Gemara brings another proof that the anonymous Tana of Masech de Minos is Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov based on the Mishnah there that states, All the walls that were there, enclosing Harabais and its structures, were very tall, except for the eastern wall. Shalkon Hasorif is a par omid baha mishcha, so that the Kohen who burned the paraduma could stand on har zesim, which is east of harbais, machavin meroa kenega pischo shalhechel, and aim and look towards the entrance of the hechel, bishas hazas adam, at the time of sprinkling the blood of the paraduma. Now the Gemara deduces from a series of Mishnahis that this must reflect the opinion of Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov, who holds that the floor of the hechel is twenty and a half amos higher than the floor of harbais. Now, given that all the temple gates were 20 almost high, it would have been impossible for the Kohen burning the para to see the Hechel through the eastern gate. This is the reason that the eastern wall needed to be lower, so that the Kohen could look over it and see the Hechel. According to the Chachamim, who disagreed with Rebbe Lezben Yaakov and held that the floor of the Hechel was 19 and a half almost higher than the Harabais, there was no need to lower the eastern wall. And point number three, Rabbi Adabar Abba said that the anonymous Tanu who states the eastern wall is lower is Rabbi Yehuda, based on a Brisa. Where reviewed as said, the Mizbech stood precisely in the middle of the courtyard. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Mizbech obstructed the view of the Hechel for one looking through the eastern gate of Harabais, and this is the reason the eastern wall needed to be lower than the others. The Gemara rejects this based on the fact that the anonymous Tana Midos teaches that the majority of the 62 Amos comprising the ramp and the Mizbech were in the southern half of the Azara. We can conclude from here that Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov is the anonymous Tana and not Rabbi Yehuda. So once again, the three points are number one. Rav Huna said that the anonymous Tana who taught Masech the Midos is Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov based on the following mission of Midos that details the Ezra's Nashim in the base of Migdash. And four chambers were located in the four corners. What functions did they serve? The southeastern chamber was the Lishkas and Nazirim, where Nazirim cooked their shlamim, cut the air, and threw it under the cauldron where the shlamim were cooking. The northeastern chamber was the Lishkas Dira Eitzim for storing wood for the Mizbeach. The Kohanim Bali Mumin stood there and examined the wood for worms. The northwestern chamber was the Lishkas of Mitzrayim, where Mitzor would immerse himself in a mikvah before receiving the blood applications. And regarding the southwestern chamber, Melezman Yaakov said, I forgot what function it served. Abba Shaul said they used it to place wine and oil and called it Lishkas Beis Shemanya. Rashi explains that the Mishnah quoting Rebbe Lezman Yaakov in the end of the Mishnah implies he was the anonymous Tana of the Mishnah. Point number two, the Gemara brings another proof that the anonymous Tana of Masech de Minos is Rebbe Lezman Yaakov based on a Mishnah there that states, All the walls that were there enclosing Harbais and its structures were very tall, except for the eastern wall. Shakona Sorev is a para omid Bahar Mishka, so that the Kohen who burned the Paraduma 
could stand in Harzaisim, which is east of Harbais, and aim and look towards the entrance of the Heichel at the time of sprinkling the blood of the Paraduma. The Gemara deduces from a series of Mishnayas that this must reflect the opinion of Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov, who holds that the floor of the Heichel was 20 and a half almost higher than the Harbais. So given that all the temple gates were 20 almost high, it would have been impossible for the Kohen burning the part to see the Heichel through the eastern gate. This is the reason that the eastern wall needed to be lowered so that the Kohen could look over it and see the Heichel. According to the Chamim, who disagreed with the river Lezben Yaakov and held that the floor of the Heichel was 19 and a half almost higher than the Arabais, there was no need to lower the eastern wall. And point number three, Ravada Barava said that the anonymous Tanu who states the eastern wall is lower is Rabbi Yehuda, based on a price where Rabbi Yehuda said, the Mizbech stood precisely in the middle of the Azar. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Mizbech obstructed the view of the Heichel for one looking through the eastern gate of Harbais, and this is the reason the eastern wall need to be lower than the others. The Gemara rejects is based on the fact that the anonymous Tanit Midos teaches that the majority of the 62 Amos comprising the ramp and the Mizbech were in the southern half of the Azar. So we can conclude from here that Rabbi Lezman Yaakov is the anonymous Tana and not Rabbi Yehuda. All right, so now we go to our Simver Dav Tezayin, and our standard Simon is toes. Toes, so here goes. The cone who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the cone bring the Paraduma aim a sprinkling toward the Heichel that was not blocked by the Mizbeach. Once again, in slow motion. The cone who was jumping up on his tippy toes, tippy toes, that must be more Dav Tezayin. The cone was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim, which reminds us, Rav Huna said the anonymous Tanu Tama Sechdes Midos is Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov based on the following Mishnah Midos that details the Ezra's Nashim in the base of Migdash, and the four chambers that were located in the four corners of the southeastern chamber was the Lushka's Hanazirim, the northeastern chamber was the Lushka's Dira Eitzim, the northwestern chamber was the Lushka's Hamutzarim, and regarding the southwestern chamber, Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov said, Shachachti Mahaisamashameshes, I forgot what function it served. Abashul said they used it to place wine and oil and called it Lishka's base Shemanya. So Rashi explains that the Mishnah, quoting Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov in the end of the Mishnah, implies he was the anonymous Tana of the Mishnah. So, the cone who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the cone burning the Paraduma aim a sprinkling toward the Heichel. Which reminds Gemara brings another proof that the anonymous Tana of Masech the Midos is Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov based on a Mishnah that states that all the walls that were there enclosing Harabayas and its structures were very tall except for the eastern wall, so that the cone who burned the Paraduma could stand on Harazazim, which is east of Harabayas, and aim and look towards the entrance of the Heichel at the time of sprinkling the blood of the Paraduma. The, the Gemara deduces from a serious Mishnah that this must reflect the opinion of Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, who holds that the floor of the Heichel is twenty and a half almost higher than the Harabayas. Given that all the temple gates were twenty almost high, it would have been impossible for the cone burning the Para to see the Heichel through the eastern gate. This is the reason the eastern wall needed to be lower so that the Kohen could look over it and see the Heichel. According to the Chamim, who disagreed with Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov and held that the floor of the Heichel was 19 and a half almost higher than the Harabayas, there was no need to lower the eastern wall. So the Kohen, who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim, was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the Kohen burning the Paraduma aim a sprinkling toward the Heichel that was not blocked by the Mizbeach. Which reminds us, Ravada bar said that the anonymous Tana who states the eastern wall is lower is Rabbi Yehuda based on a brace where Rabbi Yehuda said that the Mizbech stood precisely in the middle of the Azara. Therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Mizbech obstructed the view of the Heichel for one looking through the eastern gate of Harabais, and this is the reason the eastern wall needed to be lower than the others. But the Gemara rejects is based on the fact that the anonymous Tana and Midos teaches that the majority of the 62 almost comprising the ramp and the Mizbech were in the southern half of the Azara. So we can conclude from here that Rebbe Lezman Yaakov is the anonymous Tana and not Rebbe Yehuda.
So once again, the Cohen, who was jumping up on his tippy toes between the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim, was trying to see over the low eastern wall and watch the Cohen burning the paraduma aim sprinkling toward the Heichel. That was not blocked by the Mizbeach. All right, now it's time to go to our four block back Chazara. Daf base. So the standard symbol Yud base is 12 brothers. So here goes. The 12 brothers, 12 brothers, that must be more on Duff. Yud base. The 12 brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model of Mizbeach in their room, which reminds the Gemara brings about Chokos and I'm whether houses in Yushalayim can become Tameh from Tumatzeras based on the condition that Tumatzeras occurs by Eretz Chuzaschem, the land of your inheritance. The Tanakama rules that they cannot because he holds Yushalayim on Nishalkel Shvatim Yushalayim was not apportioned among the Shvatim and is therefore not considered an inheritance. Rabbi Yudah rules that houses in Yushalayim can become Tameh as he holds that Yushalayim was apportioned to the Shvatim. A price is brought to support Rabbi Yudah that states, Maya Bechelko Yehuda, which parts of the base of English were in the portion of Sheba Yehuda, are Bayes, Loshakos, Azaros. And which parts were in the portion of Binyamin, the Ulam, the Heicho, and the base Kodesh Kodashim, and a strip of land which projected from the portion of Yehuda and entered in the portion of Binyamin, Uvahya Mizbech Banu, and on it, the Mizbech was built. And Binyamin aside was pained by it each day because of his longing to absorb it into his territory. We see from here, though, that Yishalim was a portion to the Shvatim. The Gemara then brings a price that supports the Tanakama. So the twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur with his own belt, that it belonged to him, which reminds us the Gemara says that while it's obvious that if a Kohen Gadol becomes disqualified the morning of Yom Kippur, before the Tamil Shal Shachar, the new Kohen Gadol is invested into his new position by bringing the Tamil Shal Shachar. But what is he invested into office with if the Kohen Gadol becomes Tami after the Tamil Shal Shachar? So Ravada Barava said Ba'avne with his pure linen belt, which was different than the Kohen Hedyot's belt, which was made of shotness. Abai said, Before proceeding to the Yom Kippur service, he dons the eight begotten the Kohen Gadol and turns part of the Tamid offering over on the fire of the Mizbech with a fork to hasten its burning. And this act is considered an avoda. And Rapapa said his performance of the Yom Kippur service, even without any other act, invests him with his office, since only a Kohen Gadol can do the avoda on Yom Kippur. So the twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room, were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, with his linen belt that had belonged to him, that they didn't deserve it, because their belts were made of shotness. Which reminds us, when Ravin arrived from Eretz Israel, he said that everybody agrees that the Avnet of the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur was made of pure linen, and the rest of the year his Avnet was made of Kalim. They disagree regarding the Avnet of a Kohen Hedyot, both on the other days of the year and on Yom Kippur. For Rebbe says it was made of Kalim, well, Rebbe Lezab, Rebbe Shimon says it was made of pure linen. Therefore, according to Rebbe, the four begotten that the Kohen Hedyot wore were essentially the same as those worn by the Kohen Gadol throughout the year, besides his four additional begotten. Daf Yud Gimel, so the standard symbol for Yud Gimel is a Bar Mitzvah boy. So here goes. When the Bar Mitzvah boy, Bar Mitzvah boy, that must be more on Daf Yud Gimel. When the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshetel on the wings, which reminds us that when reviewed a state in the opening mission, the basin should prepare a second wife for the Kohen Gadol, an event that the first one dies, the Chami responded, Im ken, so. If so, there's no end to the matter, meaning that if we must be concerned of the first wife's sudden death, then we would have to prepare for the possibility that the second wife might suddenly die as well. So the more questions why the Chami don't apply this objection to their own position that we need to prepare a second Kohen Gadol in the event that the first Kohen Gadol might become Tame. They should need to prepare a substitute for a substitute, for it's likely that he might become Tame too. The Gemara answers Kohen Gadol Zari Suda, Kohen Gadol is conscientious to remain tower, and therefore it's unlikely 
that a second Kohen Gadol will be needed. When the Gemara questions why then a substitute is required at all, if the Kohen is Azaris, it answers, Kevin to Avdin and Sarah, Koshechei de Mizdarif Since we prepare a rival for him, it will certainly be even more conscientious about not becoming Tamei and seeing his rival take over. So when the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshat on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpul on what a Kohen Gadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur, which reminds us. The Gemara questions Rebbe Huda's position that a second wife needs to be prepared for the Kohen Gadol in the event that the first one dies. Beso Amrachman of Ahachla, Beso, the Torah said, and he shall atone for himself and for his household, referring to his wife, whereas this woman, who is not yet married to him, is not considered his household. The Gemara continues that if, in fact, he married her before Yom Kippur, there'd be another problem, that the word Beso implies that he has another wife and not two. So after rejecting numerous solutions, the Gemara finally arrives at an effective solution. He says to wife number two, this is your get on condition that wife number one does not die. He says, wife number one, this is your get on condition that I enter a base Knesset on Yom Kippur. If neither wife dies, wife number two was divorced all along since wife number one did not die. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled because he didn't walk into a shul. If wife number two dies, she was divorced all along since the condition of her get that wife number one did not die was fulfilled. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled as he did not walk into a shul. If wife number one dies, then wife number two's get is canceled since the condition was not fulfilled. If wife number one dies in Yom Kippur, then the Kohen Gadol, seeing that she's about to die, steps into a shul and validates her get so that she was divorced all along and he was only married to wife number two. So when the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshat on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpa on what a Kohen Gadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur and why he continues to serve and won't come to eat if one of them dies. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace of Kohen Gadol makrib onen ve'enu ocha. A Kohen Gadol brings karbanas while he's an onen, but he does not eat them. Rabbi Yudah says, Kol Hayom, the entire day. After Rabbi's first interpretation, Rabbi Yudah is rejected, he provides a second explanation. Rabbi Yudah meant to say that the Kongado may not serve the entire day of his aninas because of a gezerah, lest he comes to eat of kadshim, which is forbidden. Rabbi clarifies that on Yom Kippur, Rabbi Yudah would permit the Kongado to serve in the event that his wife dies, as he will not come to eat when no one else is eating. Daf Yadalit, so the similar Daf Yadalit is Yud, hand. So here goes. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands, hands, that must be more Daf Yadalit. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing huzzah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him tame. Which reminds the next mission taught that all seven days of the Kohen Gadol sequestered, he does the avoda in order to make him proficient in the various aspects of the avoda which were typically not assigned to him. Rav Chisa says Rav Kiva cannot be the ton of the Mishnah, since he said, A tower person upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the Paraduma ashes, thereby becomes tamek. Since we know that Hazar is done in the Kohen Gadol all seven days, how would he be able to perform the avoda during this time? The Gemara explains where Rekiva's reasoning. The Pasuk could have stated, The Tower person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him. And it would be obvious that the person is Tame. Why did the Pasuk add the words Al-Hatame upon the Tame? We can infer from here, Al-Hatame Tower, Ba'atower Tame. The Tower person becomes Tower, and the Tower person becomes Tame. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. If the Tame person becomes Tower, doesn't it follow the Tower person should remain Tahor? So the Kohen who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazal was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a Tahor person, making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tameh. Which reminds the more questions how Rabbi Kiva would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer and answers that he'd respond that with respect to the Kavachomer that Shlomo Melk stated, Amarti Echama, Vihiro Chokami Meni. 
I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the Tower person should remain Tower, Shlomo Melch himself acknowledged the phenomena that he, in fact, becomes Tame. According to the Rabban, what Shlomo Melch found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tame. When the Rabban challenged the fact that the Pusik states that the Maza, the one who sprinkles Shalmaris' garments, clearly indicating that he is Tame, they answered that the word Maza is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. The reason that he's referred to as the Maza is to teach that he only becomes Tame if he's carrying the minimum shear or Hazah. So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tame, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tame, thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Katoras and prepare the menorah. Which reminds the Mishnah here that states that the Kohen Gala burned the Katoras and lit the lamps during his seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Katoras was burned first, goes according to Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah Tamid, that teaches the Katoras is burned after the preparation of the lamps, reflects the opposing view of the Chachamim. Dav Tezvav, so the simmer Dav Tezvav is a fruit bowl. So here goes. The Kohen who used a fruit bowl, fruit bowl, that must be one Dav Tezvav. The Kona used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbeach and threw the blood in the northeast corner and then placed blood on the western wall and then the southern wall like a chattis, which reminds Rabbi Shimon Ishamitz, but changes the procedure of the Tamid and says that after the Kohen throws the blood on the northeast corner, instead of then throwing it on the southwest corner, he comes to the southwest corner, he places the blood on the western wall of the Mizbech, and then, after running the corner, he places the blood on the southern wall. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah requires two distinct applications of the blood, unlike any other Ola. And Rabbi Yochanan answers in the name of one of the members of Rabbi Yana's yeshiva that says in the Pasuk, in connection with the additional Kabbanas Bradnosh Chodesh, Usir izim Hashem and one he goat for a chatis to Hashem, in addition to the Olasatami, shall be made, and it's wine libation. Now the Tamid is an Ola, yet in this Pasuk, the Torah states that the Kohen shall perform the procedure of Achatis in connection with it. So how is this done? He performs one application, that's tantamount to two, by dashing the blood on the northeast corner, like an Ola, and then does separate applications on the southwest corner, like Achatis. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbech, threw the blood in the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like Achatis making sure to do them both on the lower half, which reminds the Gemara questions of Hashim Isha Mitzvah's interpretation of the Zerika Zadam procedure. For the time we let the Kohen place the first blood application, which is Achashi one that is tantamount to two, below in the lower half of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Ola, in the manner prescribed for an Ola, and then place the next application, which is Shtaim Shen Shtaim, two that are in fact two, above on the upper part of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Chattis, in the manner prescribed for a Chattis. Why place the latter applications, which are supposed to resemble those of Achatas, on the lower half of the Mizbech, in a manner inconsistent with the procedure of Achatas? The Gemara answers, We don't find anywhere blood applications of which half are placed above and half are placed below. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dam of the Tamid on the Mizbech, threw the blood on the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like Achatas, making sure to do them both on the lower half, and always turn to the right. Which reminds us, they were asked why the Kohen applied the blood to the northeastern corner of the Mizbech and then the southwest instead of the reverse order. And answers that it is said, All the turns that you make in the performing of the Avodah should only be to the right and to the east. And so it happens that the Kohen would encounter that corner, the northeast corner, first. Alright, now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number 1. Which stuff do you learn? We never find blood applications where half the blood is placed above on the Mizbech and half below. That's on Daf. Tezvav. Good. Number two. 
which stuff you know, the Rebuta holds, the Mizbech was in the middle of the Azar, whereas Rebbe Lezab and Yaakov holds it was primarily in the southern part, that's on Daf. Tezayin. Good number three, which stuff do we have a three-way Malchukas regarding how the substitute Kongadol is invested into office if the Kongadol becomes Tame after bringing the Tame Shoshachar, that's on Daf. Yudbeis. Good number four, which stuff you know, the Rebbe Shimon Isha Mitzvah holds that regarding the Tamid, one place in the Dumb on the western wall and then on the southern wall, like a Chatas, that's on Duff. Tezbav. Good number five. Which stuff you learned Rabbi said, Rabbi Gaza ben Yaakov is the anonymous Tana of Masech the Midas based on a Mishnah that details the four chambers in the Ezra's Nashim. That's on Duff. Tezayin. Good number six. Which stuff you learned Kopino Shatapona Uyu El Derek Yamin Mizrach. That's on Duff. Tezbav. Good number seven. Which stuff do we learn? Having a second Kongado on the wings will make the Kongado even more of a Zari. That's on Duff. Good Gimel. Good number eight. Which stuff do we learn? The Rabbi Kiva holds that Hazah, an Atara person, makes him tummy. That's on Duff. Yadad. Good number nine. Which stuff do we learn? The eastern wall of Harbais had to be lowered so the Kohen burning the Paraduma could see the Eichel as he aimed towards it with the sprinkling. That's on Duff. Tezayin, good. And number 10, which something when Mashiach comes after Rome overruns the entire world for nine months? That's on Duff. Yud, excellent. Right, that concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Goldman Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.